You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about books that explore music scenes and interviewing author Elizabeth Keenan. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I cracked open a book that I had been meaning to read for a minute. Uh, cracked open, meaning I opened my re- e-reader and downloaded it. <laughs> Don't, uh, I just imagine you cracking open your e-reader ooh. and just breaking it. Um, it is called Zone One by Colson Whitehead, oh. uh, which I have never read. I love Colson Whitehead. Yeah, it's um, a literary zombie book. It is. Is that how is that how people describe it? I actually didn't know much going into it except that it was a zombie book, and then it is definitely like the most literary zombie book I have ever read. So if you go in thinking like this is a horror book, it's not quite a horror book, but if you go in thinking it's literary fiction, I don't I wouldn't call it that either. It's like a really interesting sort of meditation on a post apocalyptic zombie world from the point of view of the main character who is like a guy who is sort of cleaning cleaning out the city. Mm-hmm. Cleaning out this area of the city. Um with along with a group. And um I, it's really interesting. It's like kind of traditional zombies, but there's other things that happen that are sort of non-traditional, which I like. There's these there's certain zombies that just get caught up doing like one thing and they just stay like there's like they come across one and he's just fixing a copier and he won't move. He's just fixing a copier. Oh my god! But then there's ones that try to fi- kill you. So it's like it's a just real like mixed. a normal office. <laughs> just like exactly like a normal office. It's really well written. I love the point of view of the main character because he like will be, like, thinking about something, and he starts thinking about something else, and then he's like, oh, right, back, and then he goes back to the other thing. It's really interesting sort of train of thought uh, zombie book. It's super well-written. I mm-hmm. love it so far. I'm only about halfway through, maybe. Um, what are you reading? Uh, super galley brag. I just got art, an arc of this new Sarah Gailey book. Super galley Sarah Gailey? I have a ga- Gailey brag today. Super galley ga- Sarah Gailey? Uh, <laughs> Gailey brag today. It's called When We Were Magic, and mm-hmm. it is uh, Sarah's new YA book. It comes out in March, so you should pre-order it right now. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it has nothing to do with Magic for Liars. Uh, it is a new YA book, uh, and it's about a group of girls, and it opens up with one girl on prom night, and her she accidentally because all the girls are magic and she accidentally makes a very special part body part of her boyfriend explode and kills I him. I can't believe you hold back now. This is the thing you hold back on? She she makes his dick explode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why why are you what is the what was the, the, the shame I don't know. there? I don't well, I don't, maybe someone someone's will, like I listen. Someone is fine with like all the other like poop talk and the other talk we have on this show but they're like they're like please don't I don't I don't I want to Oh, I just thought you didn't want to say the word dick. Oh, I'll say dick anytime. Okay. I just, you know, it's a injury. It is an injury. It might make someone upset. But uh so she accidentally uh, hurts this guy, kills him with her magic, and then all it's her and her friend group who have to get together and solve this problem and, and cover it up. Mm. And this puts everything to the test, especially since one of the characters is in love with her other friend and is trying to hide that. Yeah. And it's Sarah Gailey, so the writing is absolutely incredible, and you're hooked from the first page. And again, it comes out in March. It's called When We Were Magic by Sarah Gailey, and I really highly recommend ordering it now. And mine is Zone, Zone 1 by Colson Whitehead. 
So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We've got a follow-up from Noah, who because we were wondering in Noah's wheelhouse, it was priests in the desert. Oh, that was like something he's into. He's yeah, into it, books with priests in the desert. Yes. And I was like, name one. Yeah. <laughs> so Noah says, the book that best exemplifies the priest in the, the desert genre I was talking about is Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. But books with similar themes include A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter Miller Jr. and The Crossing by Cormac McCarthy. This last one's not really about priests, but there are some lengthy religious interludes some short stories and poems by jorge luis borges also scratch this itch so All right. apparently priest in the desert Pe- is, a, priest is in a, the desert is also a pop a good, genre also a good band name alex wrote in i was just listening to your cookbook episode and you were discussing the way i say cookbook is really funny cookbook <laughs> Cook. uh, i was just listening to your cookbook episode and you were discussing if people got excited for new release cookbooks i work at a library branch that hosts a cookbook club Mm-hmm. cookbook book club try saying that three times <laughs> cookbook book club no. uh, the book club reads one new cookbook per month and everyone makes one recipe from the book to share at the next meeting unfortunately i'm allergic to gluten and i can't eat most of it but they always share the leftovers with the staff it's very a very wholesome and fun book club i am really into this book club i this mean is pretty cool a new cookbook a month feels like a lot of cookbooks to me but i if you can get it from the library i'd be fine with it yeah yeah, that's really cool. I love that this is idea. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I would not join. I would eat the stuff, but sure, sure. I would do a cocktail club. That'd be really cool. LA cocktail people, hit me up. Uh, Emily wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is teen solving and or getting murdered, mm-hmm. Australian Gothic. I have questions. I have questions too. Sean, do you know anything about Australian Gothic? Sean, no, you don't know. You can't name an Australian Gothic. Get- You're Australian. Don't act like we're asking you something insane. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I know if you like start, if you continue with this conversation and you give us some examples, then I might be like, oh, yeah, that's what Australian Gothic uh, is. We'll do a follow up and we'll quiz Sean if he knows oh about Australian Gothic. Gothics. Okay. Okay. Uh, strong female friendships, found family, a generally spooky setting, monsters that just want to be loved, Aww. and queer teens learning to love themselves with bonus points if they get a happy ending. Nice. Also, I love that Sean just randomly pops into this podcast constantly. Like, if you had never heard this show before, like, all of a sudden, who is that? And why this, does he know about Australian who gothics ar- or not? <laughs> who is this arbitrary Australian man that just keeps posting? Oh, he's oh looking Sean's it looking it up. Give us one. Give us one. Picnic and Hanging Rock, Australian Gothic. Gothic. You heard it here first. Great book. You heard it here, not first. And there's a new film adaptation coming out that's directed. It is out. Oh. Yes, there is a TV show. Australian TV show. Yeah. Yeah. We should check it out. Yeah. Tangent. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about books that explore music scenes, we're going to take a quick break. <sighs> There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. <laughs> It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy! I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. 
How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. This week, it's all about music books. We're talking books where a music scene is an important part of the story, where, whether it's the punk scene in the 70s, Riot Girl in the Pacific Northwest, or chamber music in the 1800s. Bria, I know you love a book set in a music scene. I mean, do I? You do. I don't think I do, actually. <laughs> I, I think... Hot news. Hot Bria. news. No I feel like a lot of people get it wrong, and then I don't like it. So I, I will not pick up something or watch a movie just because it's based in a music scene. Because a lot of times, I, I, I'm like, I don't feel like that's very well done. Like, very truthful. So, no. I, mean, I would, like, never make something in a music scene because I feel like I would be not able to capture it in the way that I feel like it needs to be captured. So, but, I mean, I think you just like stuff that is good. I do like stuff that is good, but that <laughs> is just more critical. Maybe I am a little bit critical, but so am I. It's fine. Yeah, like the, for example, um, Annalee Newitz's book that just came out does a really great job of capturing the punk goth hardcore scene of the '90s because one of the characters has to go back in time to her former self in the '90s. I don't feel like that's a huge spoiler alert, and like for this like time travel mystery and solution situation, um, and I feel like sh- I feel like that was like a really good depiction of that world because it felt real and the woman who was in the scene was like I, I don't know it felt really realistic and that I really enjoyed so I will say like I like it and when it's and I like it when it's like it's sprinkled kind of less liberally I guess like they don't use as much of it so it's not like totally about that it's just mm-hmm. about I don't know I say that and then like when I was thinking of the books I like I, there's like so many so maybe maybe that's not true I think I'm just really hard on it yeah I think that's I mean that's totally legit yeah yeah. What about you? Do you like a music? I love a, a music book set scene? in a music scene. It doesn't matter. It's whether it's like a couple hundred years ago, um, like Alexander Chi's Queen of the Night, which is all about the Paris opera scene, or Blake Nelson's Girl, which is about punk in the Pacific Northwest in the 90s. I think books about music, like specific music scenes are cool because they're like any book about a specific group of people. It's always interesting to see like the lingo and the clothes and the mannerisms and the drama. It's always fun to read a book that like whether it's like a coven of witches or a group of cellists or a sports team, there's all these like intricate dynamics and loyalties and subtle things that like people who wouldn't in who aren't in the group wouldn't notice you know what i mean yeah yeah i like that and um especially if it's a scene like maybe i don't know as much about i probably am actually more excited to read it oh that's interesting so like if it's one i feel like i'm learning about if it's one i don't feel like an expert on if i feel like i know a lot about it then i'm kind of like i don't know if that's true then i kind of tune out pretty quickly Mm -hmm. i think well what are what are some books you do love do you like i know you love riot girl stuff some of yeah, I mean, I go, I go, um, I I like more nonfiction stuff than I like sort of like fiction in this world. Um, just to shock you, there's a book I liked that one one Sean engineer Sean lent me uh, called The Noise of Time. Is that the book you're reading? I just started reading it. Did you really? You're reading yeah. it right now. Hold on, Sean, get on them. Do you want to talk about it? Because I love episode. this book. Come on, I, no, I just, just started. okay. I don't care. Talk, talk about it. It's by Julian Barnes. It's about the life of the Russian composer. How do you know? Do you not say his name? Because I actually don't know how to say it. Shostakovich. Correct. <laughs> yeah, and it's about him because he was. It's it's actually as much about Russian history as it is about composing, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know a ton about Russian history, so I felt like I was like learning about 
what happened to this guy during during uh, where he was like getting it was not a good time for him. But yeah, I learned a lot about him, and then I went. I ended up going to see uh, a a what do you call it? And. Something a playing Shostakovich's Yes, music? a concert. Yeah. Yes. What do you call it? I was going to call it a show, but that doesn't seem right. Like a chamber <laughs> you to, music. You went to the music show? I went to a music show concert cool. event, um, and, and it was Shostakovich, so it was really exciting. I feel like I was like really like I'd come full circle. It was cool. It was very cool. I'm only like six pages in. Okay, it's very good. You lent it to me, and then I you were had it. I lent it, it to you like three years ago. Yeah, you had it, and I was like, I want to read that, and then you gave it to me. But I feel like I gave it back pretty fast. You did. No, okay. no, very fast. And then it just got pushed to the bottom of the file. Yeah. Okay. And now it's back at the top. Well, let us know how you feel about it. I will. Okay. Um, non-Russian composer books. <laughs> that would is probably the only one I've ever read. Um, I actually think that book High Fidelity is great. It really captures oh, a lot it. of things for me, like '90s by Nick Hornby. Mm-hmm. It's is really well written, um, but then I also really love like nonfiction books about people's lives who are musicians and sort of their experience within like the music world. Amanda mm-hmm. Palmer's book is great, um, "The Art of Asking." I think it's incredible. It's about her and her Kickstarter campaign and touring and. Uh, and about, like, asking her fans for help, which I think is, like, just such an interesting uh, relationship. Um, you and I both loved the book uh, They Can't Kill Us Till They Kill Us. Uh, by Hanifa Durkee. Yeah, yeah, which I think is a really interesting music scene book that explores various music scenes, like, and it particularly has an interesting take on, like, punk rock and suburban, like, the suburbs and punk rock in a way that I was really interested in, like, race within the punk rock community, which is super interesting. And, um... Just Kids? Did you read Just Kids? No, I read Patti Smith's other book, uh, The M Train? Yes. I actually don't listen to Patti Smith on the reg or at all, really, but I just thought the book was really good. Yeah, she's another one. Well, you know how much I love books written by people I don't know anything about. Oh, yeah. uh Uh-huh. And, well, Just Kids is about her and Maplethorpe, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about him either, and then I found it so interesting. I thought that was really cool. And then probably my favorite in this one is um, Carrie Brownstein's Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl, which... Doesn't as explore as much Sleater Kenny. Oh, I guess it is mostly Sleater Kenny stuff. It's Sleater Kenny stuff and like Animal Rescue and what it's like to have anxiety and be in this big band, which I was really excited about. I think some people, yeah, I was really excited. I I loved that book and I felt like it was a really interesting someone who to me like when I was a teenager was the most famous person in the world and like knowing like thinking about her having anxiety while doing all this stuff is really fascinating and like. Uh, humanizing i think in some ways which i know she's not the most famous person in the world for most people she used to me like she was like just like a, like a real hero to me you know um what about you what what books what what music sceny books do you like uh, i mean i will again will read a book about any music scene because i just love that like it's to me it's kind of like reading a megan abbott book about like cheerleaders or something like i just love these like insular communities um where you know, I think there's this idea that when you're in the scene, like in a, any kind of a scene, whether it's sports or music or whatever, like it's everything that happens is the most important. Mm-hmm. And like you feel like you can't get out of it. And all these problems seem so amplified. So I like that kind of tension, I think, is really interesting in a novel. Um, but I'm obviously very partial to the kind of music I like. So wicked heavy music. Uh, we Sold Our Souls by Grady Hendrix is all about the metal scene. He did a great job with the authenticity because uh, he used mostly real bands. How to Build a Girl by Catelyn Moran is fantastic. And it's, it's more about, like, just, like, alter, alternative music in general in London in the 90s. So not just metal and or punk, but just, like, any kind all, any kind of those, like, alt music rock stuff. Uh, and the sequel, How to Be Famous. What I you love... You know they made a 
I know movie I'm or a TV show? For it. It's a movie. It's at TIFF right now. Oh, cool. I, whoa, it's directed by a woman, written by Catelyn Moran, starring the girl from Booksmart. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for it. Um, but I, what I love about those books is they really delve into what it's like to be a girl in those scenes, which I think is something that's really interesting. And I would love to read any – if listeners have recommendations for books about girls in the metal scene, send them mm, to me because mm-hmm. that is my absolute shit. Um, the comic Heavy Vinyl by Carly Uston and Nina Valcueva is also really fun. It's about a group of girls who work at a record shop and they form a girl gang and a band. You, nice. should read, you actually should really yeah, read Yeah, yeah. Someone else has told me about this. It's wicked good. Um it's silly, silly, but of course, like, we all love to know the in-jokes and get the references with books that are genres that we love. So I love, uh, you know, it's it's just fun. You're like, oh, I know that band, or I know, like, oh, I get, like, it just, I don't know. People love in-jokes. Um, I also love reading memoirs about people I don't know. So I love uh, reading um, books, like I said, I talked about, I read Patti Smith stuff. I'll read any book about a musician that I don't know. Uh, I also love reading books about music I don't know anything about. Uh, there's a great book, uh, White Tears by Hari Kunzru. Uh, it's a cr- really cool book about blues music and the white appropriation of it. And it's mm. kind of spooky. It's like these two, these two guys that are these two white, uh, like college kids living in new york city and one of them like is a um trust fund kid and he's kind of a turd and he has all this money and can do whatever he wants and um the main character while he's um walking around new york city one day he always like records ambient sounds when he's walking around because he's they're both like super sound engineer nerds and while he's walking around one day he picks up this blues song that this um old man is like playing on the side of the road and his trust fund friend gets a hold of the recording and thinks it's amazing and puts it online mm-hmm. until they find out that that recording never it's, it's a recording of a song that already exists and the person like it's like a cursed song oh wow and it, like, it's really really cool and like bad things start to happen to these two guys oh wow because like they're like stealing the song oh, it's really cool um that's white tears uh if anyone is interested so i don't know anything about the blues but like just the intricacies of like blues history and the scene Mm -hmm. like what it is today and what it was now is really interesting so i think that's i think that's really what i love about music scene books Mm -hmm. sean do you have any music scene books you want to talk about that you would recommend no you got nothing i don't really read them okay okay sean says he doesn't really read them (laughs) thanks sean (laughs) <laughs> so you can send your thoughts on music scene books to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com and before we talk to author Elizabeth Keenan we're going to take a quick break this is NASA uh, I see a flat earth but we should lie to everybody about it and say it's round 10-4 Maximum Fun brings you the latest podcast an expose on the flat earth <laughs> I want to take advantage of humankind and make them believe a lie so that they will trust us at the government. It's all an elaborate lie. And when you get on a plane, they purposefully fly you farther than you need to go. It's disgusting. It needs to be stopped. And if you listen to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we will tell you the truth behind the lies. Just kidding. kidding. We won't do that. We will just tell you the truth behind the truth because what we do is we look at extraordinary claims. That's right. We've gone undercover with alternative medical treatments, fringe religious groups, fringe science claims, the spiritual paranormal. We're there to check it out and let you know what happens. Is the Queen Mary haunted? I don't know. Find out. We show up. We make friends. We learn what happens when you ask questions and we tell you all about it. And we get all that funky stuff done to us. It's Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org. 
So here we are with Elizabeth Keenan, author of Rebel Girls. Thanks for coming on the show, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. What are you reading right now? Um, so I'm currently reading a couple of different things. Um, I just went to New York Comic Con this weekend, and uh, I picked up uh, Sarah Pinsker's Song for a New Day and uh, Annalie Newitz's uh, Future of Another Timeline. And I have to confess, I know both of them, but um, I am really excited about both of their books because they're sci-fi um, fiction that also has a heavy music component. And so I just started Sarah's last night and it is amazing. Um, I'm still also reading uh, Roxanne Gay's uh, collected edition, um, collected volume, uh, Not That Bad, which is stories, uh, first person accounts of sexual assault. Um, I have to read that in small doses. So um, that's been kind of an ongoing project to read through all of those, but I find that I get pretty emotional. So um, it's an amazing, important work. And I'm reading it very slowly. Completely understandable. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us about your new book, Rebel Girls? Sure. Um, so Rebel Girls is the story of two sisters in 1992, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, in the aftermath of some really large anti-abortion protests by Operation Rescue. Um, one of the sisters is pro-choice. The other is pro-life. And um, it is the story of what happens when someone starts a rumor about the pro-life sister having had an abortion over the summer during those protests. What made you choose the right girl scene to tell this story? Okay, so yeah, um, that was it in my description, obviously. Um, <laughs> but to really get to start it, like I said, I like things with music in them. Um, so I chose the riot girl scene uh, largely because it's a very, it's very much tied to that era, right? So like the early 1990s, we think of certain things like grunge and, um, you know, Riot Girl, and uh, if you want to look at other places, you might think of like, I don't know, uh, Public Enemy and Socially Conscious Hip Hop. Uh, so you think of like a wide array of different important musical things. Um, but for me, uh, and the main character was always going to be a feminist. And um, I thought that Riot Girl was a perfect fit for her. Um, she's really trying to figure out what her feminism is in the world. And she's a musician and she loves, loves, loves music so much. And I just thought that the particular intersection of music and feminism in Riot Girl was perfect for her. And also like there are some flaws in Riot Girl, And I think that those flaws were good for my main character too. And uh, obviously the name of the book is uh, Riot Girl Related. Yeah. It's an illusion. Yeah. Rep yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so while you're writing, did you use any other books that utilize Riot Girl or any other music scene? Uh, no, but I mean, now I'm reading Future of Another Timeline, which does, and uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, that's also like, I'm saying no, but I'm also lying to you because like, <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I mean, of course, I read a whole bunch of nonfiction for the book. Um, my other background, other than being a writer, is I was an academic, and my area of specialty was third-wave feminism and popular music. So, of course, I've read a million things, and I've gone to, like, the Fails Library Riot Girl Archive um, as well. So it's not like I um, have never read anything about Riot Girl and just made this up purely out of nostalgia. Um, it's just that there's not, like, a whole lot of literature that is about Riot Girls in particular. 
Um, do you do you have some that you can recommend that are nonfiction? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Sarah Marcus's Girls to the Front is a perfect introduction to Riot Girl. Um, it's a really gorgeously written popular history that's appropriate for anyone who's like, say, 14 to 55 or older. Um, it's really just very beautifully and clearly written um, and just great. So did you make a soundtrack for this book while you were writing? <laughs> yes and no. I mean, like I've, I've always answered yes and no. I'm such a, I'm such a former academic here. Um, so, um, I mean, I made a soundtrack for my characters, but I was a music major. And so for me, it's really hard to listen to music while I'm writing. Um, it is very distracting to me because I start thinking like, what's going on in the music instead of what's going on in the book. And so, you know, it does not work well with my brain because I took too many years of music theory, but it did, I did really have to think about like what the characters were listening to. And so I, at the end, I made this uh, Spotify playlist that's available um, through like on Inkyard. You can look, look it up on their Twitter somewhere there. Um, and they posted it. I could post it again too. Um, uh, it's a Spotify playlist of songs that I thought were kind of inspirational in the 90s. They're not all Riot Girl. Um, I wanted it to be broader than that because I realized people have different musical tastes and Riot Girl, although I love it, is a little bit niche. Um, so it has everything from Bikini Kill to the Spice Girls to En Vogue to Queen Latifah, um, because all those things I think are different avenues into feminism through music. Wait, so are you, you're, you're, uh, study music theory? Is that? No, I have a degree in ethnomusicology, which is the study of music in culture. So yeah, I have a PhD in music from Columbia. I, yeah, I'm somehow working that into like all the conversations and hopefully not thinking that people think I'm like. Too stuffy. <laughs> no, I think it's really good. And <laughs> no, that makes sense. And your writing now makes sense. <laughs> um, so were you a teenage rye girl or did you draw on your experiences at all when, when you were writing this? Um, I was not a riot girl. I mean, I, I really admired the riot girls from afar when I was a teenager. But um, I mean, it's very funny because like when I read the book, I feel like I have split my personality into two different characters one of whom is the main character and the other who is her best friend, who's like much more of a political activist. Like I, as a teenager, I was not afraid at all of like confronting people when they said things that were sexist or racist, or, I mean, I remember distinctly getting into a fight with somebody who like, it was the first time I was ever called bitch because I said, Hey, that's really racist. And they were like, Oh, you're a bitch. And I'm like, Oh God. And then I was like, wait a minute, why am I getting upset? You're a, you're a jerk. Um, and you're wrong. So, you know, I was really good about sticking to those ideals, but I was much less comfortable in my own skin as like a being of, with like physicality and a body. So a lot of the things that Riot Girls did where they like wrote slut or, you know, like, you know, slut or, or rape or, or whatever on like their bodies, I would never have been able to do. Um, like, it's just not a place where I could have existed in like my own embodied self at that time. So they kind of scared me basically. Um, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Like, I mean, they were something to look up to, but something that I was like, I can't do that. That's not me. Um, so, you know, it's like, I look back and I'm like, I was this weird kid because I was really very politically active, but also very scared of certain things. Um, but yeah, no, so I didn't have a teenage girl gang um, uh, either because I grew up in a very conservative place and, um, 
you know, I, I end up having like I my friends have grown into much more conservative people. And I mean, I did have a teenage girl gang then, but like, I feel like the the intervening time between 19, the 90s, 1990s and now has sort of erased what we used to be. <laughs> and um, like, you know, I'm writing this book and it's a pro-choice book, but is like, you know, it's sympathetic to some, you know, some of the pro-life people in the, in the, in the novel, like they're not like horrible people or anything. Um, but my friends are now, uh, like, I have a couple of friends who are like advocates, like pro-life people, like in quotation marks, and they do the things, like one of them has participated in an exorcism at a former abortion clinic, whereas I am a clinic escort who helps people get abortions. So, <laughs> so my, my teenage girl gang is no more. <laughs> fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Do you have any um, reader quirks you like to share with us? Um, well, it's kind of back to that whole thing. I don't listen to music when I'm reading. Um, but I'm also one of those people I can just get, I mean, sometimes you can have things on in the background. And as long as I'm not the one who wants to listen to them, like I can get very absorbed in a book. Um, and I, you know, like I just really, it, it takes a lot to sort of pull me out of a book when I'm in it. Um, I don't know if that's a quirk or not at all. Like, I don't have one of those things where, like, I have to shelve my books in a certain way or I have to be reading in a perfect chair. It's like, you know, like, just give me a couch and a book and I will ignore you for six hours and be in that book. And that's who I am when I'm reading. <laughs> I think that's a quirk. I think there's a lot of people who would like that to be their quirk uh, because they get distracted easily. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I think sometimes people want to talk to me and I'm just like, no, I'm in a book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading over here. Um, what about your reader wheelhouse? Something that will absolutely make you pick up a book? Um, I think, okay, so like I was talking about at the beginning, if something has music in it, um, I will automatically at least like stop and really take a good look at uh, what's, you know, like really like that back cover copy and be like, oh, is this something that I really want to look into more thoroughly? Um, so like music will really grab me. Another thing is just like, I really love characters that like grab you. And I really like a funny book too. Like um, one of the books that I was reading uh, like a little while ago was uh, Katie Henry's book, Call of Doomsday about a girl with a lot of anxiety who uh, is, you know, basically concerned, very highly concerned about the end of the world. And that book is so funny and it takes a topic that you know could be really daunting and it's hilarious so a funny book will also grab me as well um so funny and music i'm like in um well i think you'll love the rest of annalee newitz's book i loved it and it involves both of those things it's like one of my favorite books of this year so far um yeah so where can people find you online find your book all of the things Okay, awesome. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and my own website. Um, please don't go to Facebook. So on Twitter, I am Bad Cover Version, named after the Pulp song, because I love the mid-90s indie English rock scene. Um, I'm Bad Cover Version 12 on Instagram, because someone had already taken Bad Cover Version 10 years ago when I got on Instagram. So if anybody wants to give me that back, I'll take it, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> And um, I have a website, elizabethkeenanwrites.com. Um, so all of those places you can find me. Please don't find me on Facebook because I don't go there. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show.
Fantastic. I'm so excited to be on the show. It's been a great time. I've really enjoyed this chat. <laughs> Yay. Now it's time to answer a recommendation request from Henry. I come from a very stifling, strict, and sheltered upbringing where I wasn't allowed to listen to non-Christian music or pursue a lot of what interests me, so I grew up feeling trapped and hidden inside myself even well into my early adulthood. Two years ago, my partner introduced me to a post-hardcore band he thought I'd like, and their music gave me the courage I needed to finally break free of a lot of the fear and trauma from my past, and finally started to openly and proudly declare what I've known for years, that I'm a bisexual, transgender man, and to just fucking stand up for myself. Since then, I've really gravitated to punk, metal, and post-hardcore bands, all of which help me feel braver, happier, and more like myself. The thing is, I feel like I'm jumping into those genres and music scenes that have a lot of rich history, but there's a lot I don't know yet. I have my favorite bands, but which ones are the ones that are considered the classics? How did certain subgenres start and why? What was the culture of these scenes originally like and how, it has, how has it evolved? I'm wondering if you can recommend any good nonfiction books that look at the history and culture of metal, punk, and or post-hardcore music. Bria, what should Henry do? Well, first of all, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that art helped you to become the person you wanted to become and open up and be free. That's amazing. I'm curious about what band it was. I think the, my guess on the band is against me. That's my guess. A band. I don't that, know anything about post. I'm going to chime into this with the metal stuff, but I don't know anything about punk or rag girl or hardcore. No. Do you or have a guess on what the band might be? I don't even. Okay. I couldn't even name a post hardcore band if you if you put a gun to my head. Okay. I bet you could if we put or a gun to your head. If you put a gun to my book. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say, like, there's no, like, there's a lot of music snobbery like there is. And, like, you just get into comics. Like, I didn't get into comics until, like, my early 20s. And Same. I felt like it. people were like, you can't just suddenly be into comics. And, like, I had to be like, no, I'm into this now. But I may not know every single detail of history about the comic book world. I still don't know every single detail of history about the comic book world or the music world obviously or anything that i read in or like you can't be expect to be an expert and people who expect you to be an expert they're not true members of the community yeah <laughs> that is listen these communities are based on love and acceptance that's mm -hmm. what they should be based on not how much you know about the history of hardcore music anyway speech over um two books i would suggest are <laughs> girls to the front by sarah marcus it's a really frank history of women in the riot girl and punk scene um the good and the bad of that um, the complexities of the scene when it, of Riot Girl when the movement started um, involving race and class and the media blackout and all that kind of stuff. It's just a really well-written and researched history book. Um, and then my fiancé, I asked him the question. He suggested Lords of Chaos. John Wood suggested Lords um, Chaos. Which is about the Norwegian black metal scene. He had a few more suggestions if I should name them, but that was one he thought would be really good. I will echo Lords of Chaos. Oh, cool. And I also want to echo your speech because this, again, I can only speak to the metal scene, but I do want to say, I mean, despite what a lot of metal folks want you to think, you don't need to know everything about the scene and all the bands and all the history to listen to the music. I got really into the metal scene when I was 14 and I stayed really deeply involved with it for about a decade. Like, go to shows all the time. I was like a merch girl for a band. Like, it was metal was my life for a long time. And I got, but I got really sick of the people who were the super snooty people who were like, you can't listen to this or you are this. You're a girl. Uh, you know, the people who think you can't be a true fan unless you do this or wear that or listen to certain things. And the same things that I think make a the same things that make music novel interesting to read make them uh, make music scenes annoying to be in in real mm -hmm, life mm -hmm. uh that being said metal does have a very fascinating history and there are some really great books so if you are interested in it just for the sake of being interested in it, like 
I, as you know, when I get interested in something, I am more interested in it than anyone else in the world. And I love reading the history of it um, and like finding good band recommendations. Um, the thing about metal is there's so many different subgenres of it and they're very different from each other. Uh, Louder Than Hell is a really great starter book for metal. It's huge. It's like 800 pages or something crazy and it has hundreds and hundreds of interviews with really important musicians uh, if you like black metal obviously lords of chaos is great uh white line fever uh, by lemmy from motorhead is it's it's his autobiography it's really fun because uh, who doesn't love lemmy um i also really highly recommend what are you doing here a black woman's life and liberation in heavy metal by uh lena dawes so you can see some of the negative forces that have shaped the metal scene because the metal scene is definitely very white and very male uh but how those things are starting to change so it's really cool to to get her perspective on being a woman in the metal scene, being a black person in the metal scene, being a black woman in the metal scene. Uh, so it's, I think it's really, really good to balance out all this history and like finding out what all the classic bands are with like, like you said, with girls to the front, like all the, you know, like any scene, there's a lot of bad stuff and they, that thing is changing, but it's nice to know where that's coming from. Yeah. And I think it's important to know, like, look, if the music speaks to you, it speaks to you. And like, you, you don't have to know the history or the no. everything and you're welcome to, but I don't think that like, it's you're allowed to like the art that you like and you don't have to prove it to anybody that you like it that's oh, yeah. not that's not you don't have to prove that you're cool enough to be listening to punk hardcore stuff i remember when I, my thing that i was always really afraid of is i would never buy the band a, a shirt of a band that i liked unless i like owned knew their every entire single. discography yeah. knew every album because i was so afraid that some guy was going to be like oh you like opeth well name every album uh, name every song off their first album and i like i was so nervous about stuff like that and now like yeah. i still like i have a like a, a, a massive knowledge of metal but now i can just be like oh i'm just gonna do this and everyone can fuck off <laughs> yeah i mean even like i mean the same with like i when i first was acting on television i remember i did an interview with somebody and i talked about how much i liked comic books and i was i think i talked about liking fables like because i remember it like hurting my feelings because i looked online and someone was like this is like basically when i quit reading comments where people someone was like i bet she doesn't even like it i bet she can't name any of them some publicist told her to say that <gasps> and i remember at the time being like i can't afford a publicist <laughs> <laughs> how in the world and also a publicist wouldn't Maybe they're smart enough to tell me to say that, but I don't think so. It's interesting that stuff like that happens with comics and music, but it doesn't happen with books. Like, you know, you would never be mm -hmm. like, oh, I like Colson Whitehead. So it would be like, well, name all of his books. Like, Do you think it's because that specifically with comics and with like maybe like metal or something like that, it's these groups that consider themselves sort of outsiders and a little bit yes. maligned. Yes. You know, like you're like, I am a nerd or I am like a hardcore kid who shaved my head and like feel differently than everyone else. And I don't fit into my normal communities or my own community. So there's a high bar for entrance. Yes. It's the thing where I've been persecuted and people have been made fun of me. So I found this space where I'm safe mm -hmm. and I'm not going to let anybody else in mm -hmm. or I get to now I get to turn around and tell you that you're not cool enough, which yeah. is extremely stupid yeah yeah and if anybody treats you like that then they're not part of the community yeah <laughs> you, you, you tell me and bria and we will use our old school metal and and, and punk cred to shame them <laughs> i want to find a picture of you with your shaved head there's many i want to see it there's many i think there's I, some online we should put you know what we should do for this episode post a picture of you with your shaved head and then post me a picture of me with i used to go to school with a bullet belt and gauntlets <laughs> What do you mean gauntlets? Like big leather bracers with studs <laughs> in them? <laughs> yeah. Not, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, right, right, that sounds normal. That sounds like what you would wear. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem or tell you what a gauntlet is, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and don't want to spend any money, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more readers. And you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. And thanks for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.